Cool. So if you guys have been with us, we've been going through Leviticus and we hit Leviticus 18, which has to do with sexual morality. So uh, me and both, that would be cool to take some time to chat about it for a little bit. And uh, last time that we met up, so it was two weeks ago, last week was my anniversary and I was sick. And so we sat on the couch. <laughs> yeah, we were sick. <laughs> she did take care of me and that was awesome. And uh, we're going to do something later. For anniversary, but um, yeah. So before we got into tonight, I thought it'd be cool to open it up for you guys. If you had any questions about the stuff we went over last time, last time we just kind of did an introduction to this study, um, understanding that um, you know God created our sex, our sexuality. He created our relationships, and they are intended for pleasure and they're intended for His glory and. Uh, we kind of got into that a little bit. Did any of you guys have any questions before we dive into tonight's study? No? Cool. All right. So we're in Leviticus 18, as I said before. And I'm going to start, if you guys have your Bibles, I'm going to start in verse 6. None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father, the nakedness of your mother, you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife, you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness, the nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere. Their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover, for theirs is your own nakedness. And it goes on from there. Uh, we talked about this the first time we got into this study, that this basically tells you that incest is not okay anymore. And bestiality is not okay anymore. But the phrase that we're going to focus on tonight is this phrase of uncovering the nakedness. Uh, if you notice, it never, it never says don't have sex with your mom. Don't have sex with your dad. It says don't uncover the nakedness. And it's a very interesting phrase. It's a very uh, unique phrase. And me and Bo are actually chatting about this at lunch today and just how, how unique it is to humanity that we are ashamed of nakedness. Um, if you look around the world, obviously, we're the only beings on this planet that are ashamed of nakedness. Everything else is naked, and they feel okay about it, right? But humanity feels a need to clothe ourselves and to hide our nakedness. And the Bible, through this passage and other passages, is showing us that there is something Something not only that has fallen in our nature that makes nakedness something to be ashamed about, but the Bible also is trying to get at the fact that nakedness is something that is special. Um, is there anything you want to say on that before we move on? Well, I think there's different angles you can come at this kind of issue from. Um, the, always in the world, there's always conflicting ideas um, on, on um, you know, sex and and um how to view it what's the world view of sex you know kind of thing the christian world view that we have is not something that other people subscribe to not everybody's going to subscribe to this world view of nakedness and clothes like what i mean is there like if you were talking to someone who's not a christian and you asked them like hey why do you wear clothes um which is a a, a good question to ask you know why do we wear clothes as human beings um, you know, some people, you know, it's legit because Peter's right that we're the only, um, 
you know, land, you know, we're the only creatures on the earth that actually cl- put on, like, make stuff and wear it. Um, why do we not just roam the world nude like everything else? Um, and there are people in the world that would say, well, well, you know, nothing's wrong with being naked. We should be able to live in a culture where you can be nude and it's fine. And there are, in, a, in some places in the world, small cultures, small, I say small, meaning really small um, environments, I should say, where you can do that. And you guys are at an age where you know about like nude beaches or nude things like that, where, where you've heard of those type of places and, and you can go to and people are buck nude, man. And, and they're just chilling, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I hope they're in a good, nice climate (laughs) i can't imagine it happening in the alps (laughs) you know but uh you know you always hear about uh even in california growing up you know there was always the secret yeah i used to surf along the uh, southern california coast from malibu to ventura those were my spots from malibu that's kind of where i grew up and in in the midst of those places uh were these little coves and we always heard about the nude beach cove you know where people would be nude and you'd always be like whoa what a trip you know like people are nudie over there you know just saying so there is there is people there's world views that where people go hey you know you don't have to have a biblical world view of this whole nudie thing you know there's there's just even if i took the evolutionary approach that you know we're we're millions of years old as human beings and you know like hey we can you know sure we can hang out um, and, and be new. We, we do it. It's called new beaches. You know, we do it all the time, you know, and that might be the argument is that there are places now I would argue against that. And I would say, well, no, no, cause let's face it. Like if you extended the nude beach to the nude city and then the nude state, right? Would it really hold up well in a society? Would it really work? Um, and then, and then probably the answer is going to be, well, n- probably not. And, but the, but a worldview of not, not having a Christian worldview, y- you're always trying to say, well, you know, why would it not work? You know, um, even Christians should ask that question, but even a non-Christian is going to ask that question. Why would it not work? Um, why, why, why couldn't you see people's nakedness and it be okay? What, what is the big problem with that maybe maybe the christian prudish look at this nakedness is maybe the problem right is that an argument that people have yeah right there's people that say the problem is is that you keep putting this weird stigma on nudity and when you keep putting this weird stigma on it then it it kind of it makes everybody freaked out about it and so if you just let people be people and and be able to see nudity then then we'd be fine then we'd be better you're the problem so there's always these conflicting kind of world views on these issues of you know nudity um, and so we're going to try to sift through that from our perspective 
a little bit, but I want you guys to just be thinking through it, thinking about it. Like, why, why is it a big problem, you know, to, to see? Is nakedness really the problem in the Bible? Is that really what it is? Um, you know, and that's, that's maybe a question we could start with right there. Yeah, so um, the easiest place to start with is to start with God's original intent. So when you go back to Genesis, um, and you go back to when God first created man and woman, uh, he brings them together, and there's this interesting phrase It says in Genesis 2, verse 25, it says, and the man and the woman were both naked, and they were unashamed. So there was this idea that when God created man and woman, he created them nude, he created them without clothing, and they weren't ashamed of their nakedness, meaning that there was no stigma about it. There was nothing odd about it. There was nothing weird about it. They were naked together, and there was a comfortableness that so, they had. So in this way, we would agree with uh, someone from a different worldview. That's right. That's we, right. we would say, that's right. You know, <laughs> that's right. You know, in the beginning, there was no problem, you know, with it. Do you notice, though, we're going back to Genesis right now? And so a lot of, a lot of people's worldview on this topic— is going to go back to, you know, what you believe happened at the beginning. Because that's really dictating uh, a Christian's perspective, and, and it's also dictating someone who's not a Christian's perspective. Because there's there, what we're going to talk about in Genesis, if we really believe this to be true, Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, then there's a lot of ramifications to this this event of why we now are trying to live the way we're living. Um, so if someone doesn't have this understanding, if I'm talking to someone about sex and nudity and stuff like that, if I'm talking to someone about their sexuality or things like that, if they don't hold to a Genesis 1, 2, and 3 worldview, then it might be really difficult to get on the right page with them. Does that make sense? And this might just be a little eye op- or a little helper for you guys, but if you're in college or you're talking to someone and you're engaged in talks about homosexuality, bisexuality, transsexuality, whatever sexuality you're talking about, if you're talking to them, I would just ask them a question. Just say, hey, where do you, you know, ask them a metaphysical question. Where do you believe we come from? Because that's going to dictate so much of your sexuality, what you think about sexuality, what you think about nudity, those type of things. So a lot of what we're getting our ideas from is right here. That's right. So um, like the, as Bo said, like the person who believes in evolution and things like that, we agree with them that humanity began naked. Where we disagree with them is why the nakedness ceased, if you want to put it that way, why clothing was created. Um, I don't know the evolutionary answer to that, to be honest. I've never asked an atheist, that question. That would be an interesting question. You know, question. I have yeah. asked my brother that before, yeah. and it had to do with uh, weather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so know. we de-evolved. Yeah, so yes. which made no sense to me. because so we, I, I we thought, were able to handle the weather, and then we yeah, lost the ability. I thought if you're a monkey, you're living already, <laughs> and you're already, you know, you're already living in the weather. Yeah. So where does it come up? Where you, unless the monkey went like, man, dude, I really want to live in the Alps. And he kept doing it trying and he was cold and then and then, after, and then he's like 
he thought, I need to make something. Yeah, and then he died because he didn't live long enough to evolve. <laughs> but his next generation already had that, that uh, little tidbit of, of chemical analysis going on in his brain because it, it's part of the evolutionary. It's the, what do they call them now? Means. Yeah. You know, they call them, that's the big word now in evolutionary things. They call them means, behavioral learning patterns yeah. <laughs> over, over time. That's right. So, man. yeah. And then he developed coats and stuff. That's and right. Then he, he, he thought of a needle. And he killed the wildebeest and he yeah. wore its fur. But yeah, that's, yeah. That, it never made sense because if you're already living, you know, obviously in your monkey, then why would yeah. you? And you're already hairy as can be. Like, why would you? Look at us. We're not even hairy anymore. Why would you anymore. get rid of the hair? Why did we get rid of the hair? Yeah. Some people more than others, you know? Some yeah, people so lost more than others. But uh, at any rate. Well, has anybody, has anybody asked anybody about that? About clothes? Has anybody seriously asked anybody about that? I asked Bo James because I know Bo James has good conversations. with Bo James. Have you ever asked anybody about that? No. Um, no? No one has? Aaron's just like... No. <laughs> hey, hey, let me ask you guys a question. Has anybody ever thought about clothes? Yeah, why you wear them? You know, why you have them? You know? Yeah, have you guys thought about that a little bit? Yeah, cool. Come up with any good answers? <laughs> it's all I've ever known. Uh, okay. We're not perfect. Yeah, I like that show Naked and Afraid, you know. I never watched it because it, like, freaks me out. Like, you know, like, I don't, I don't understand it. But anyway, like, but the concept of it is just, it's just two people trying to be naked. <laughs> like, trying to, ma- trying to make it in the wilderness. And not be afraid. And not be afraid. And they can't be because <laughs> they're how, naked. How, you know? how do we ever evolve if we, can, if we can't, you can't do even it? Make, you can't even hack it. Can't even they can't it. even hack it for, like, a week like, <laughs> in the wilderness. <laughs> so or, sad. We're ashamed to our. Well, ancestors. I think if you go to a nude beach, you'd be naked and afraid, <laughs> for sure. For different reasons. Because at the moment you no. saw the first ninety-year-old dude cruising by, you'd be like, "I'm afraid." I'm afraid. I feel, I'm afraid when I go to the gym, man. That's right. <laughs> it's like, dude, there's a, there's all sorts of nudity in the gym. Well, it's like when you're a minister, you do a lot of like you'll do hospice visits, right? You you do hospital visits, and some of the some of the most kind of intimidating i would say moments honestly um when you're in a hospice situation of visiting people is is nudity right because sometimes you'll walk into a room and i I remember me and sylvia walking into a room and some dude that we're visiting he's just he's like this old man but he's just standing up buck naked and he and and it's like he has no shame at all he don't even care dude he's just like hey come on in sit down you know and i'm just like oh yo bro you know it's just it's it's funny because i remember growing up in like i remember one time i'm gonna tell you guys a funny story but i remember going to tijuana one time and i spent all day in tijuana with a bunch of friends and on the way out of tijuana which we we spent all day drinking and we came out back over the border into the United States. And you have to say something when you come back into the United States. You have to first pass through this little this little portal thing and say, I'm an American citizen. My friend was could not say that. He he was messed up. He could not say it. So we're like, dude, you gotta say it. You gotta say American citizen. He's like, I'm like, no, that's not it. <laughs> and the guy's like, I'm not gonna let him go. He's gotta say it. So we just sit there forever trying to get him. So we get him to say it and he finally does. We get him through there and he's and I I'm on one shoulder, another guy's like 
got, you know, we were trying to carry him over the border. One of my friends comes around, takes his pants, pops him down, and, and it's right at the border, so everybody's coming into Mexico. And it's one of those moments, right, where it's just like, oh, man. And, but it's the same attitude as the old man in the hospice. You know, the drunk guy is just like, he just goes, hey. He doesn't even know. He's like, and I think he said like, hey, am I chilling? And I was like, oh, sure. He's like, okay. <laughs> you know, but the, I mean, but it's the same attitude as the old man in the hospice. <laughs> you know, it's just, in your life it's like, just care, yeah, it's just like, I don't care you know so it's like naked and very afraid <laughs> absolutely dude like, well they're not afraid no they're no they're making no. people afraid yeah but uh you know if you go in genesis chapter three you read the reason why we have clothes <clears throat> now it happens most of you know the story satan comes and he tempts man and woman and he basically tells them like hey do you really trust god do you really believe that what he says is right and uh, he specifically is talking about this tree that God told them not to eat of, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Satan basically puts it into their brains to think like, well, maybe you know better than God. Maybe you could determine good and evil for yourself. Maybe you shouldn't listen to what God says is right and wrong. And maybe you should just figure it out for yourself. Uh, you could be like a God if you do this. And obviously Adam and Eve make that decision. They make that choice to eat of the fruit. And to make up their own mind what they think is right and wrong. And we're all doing the same thing today. But anyway, after they eat it, it says in verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam, and called him and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Okay, so what you see here is that there was a, before the fall, before eating of this fruit, there was a particular condition that mankind had before one another and before God that enabled them to be naked without fear. Right? There was a, to put it another way, there was like a safety that was in the garden that enabled them to be naked and unashamed. And I find this really cool. Yeah. Because I just find it so fascinating that, you know, you could be with, you, you could be with your spouse, like Adam and Eve. You could be with someone. The first command that God gives them is to have sex, be fruitful, multiply. Go for it. Have a blast. Yeah. And, and it wasn't shameful. There was no shame attached to sexual intercourse and pleasure and sensuality. And everything's right before God. And already that goes against so much of the way we think about sex and all that. Because yeah. we have a lot of shame attached to it. But then I think of Okay, they have kids. Their kids are naked. Their kids have kids, and they're naked. There is, uh, uh, a, you know, we use the term incest. So we see, we see some of that happening, you know. So Adam and Eve, you guys get what I'm saying, right? Adam and Eve have kids. Their kids have intimacy with each other. They have kids. 
their kids have intimacy with each other. They have kids. It goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, and if you think that's weird, guess what? You're here. So that's happened in all of our lives at some point down the road. Right. Um, but um, <clears throat> but what I, I guess what I find fascinating about it is that you have this potentiality for a world that is fully naked. Right. And... And, and, and that's kind of, I, I kind of look at that and I kind of go, that's awesome. I mean, that is so amazing of a thought <laughs> that God created things that had that potential. I mean, because in, in Christianity, we tend to think of nudity and nakedness. And we think of that in a real negative way where we kind of go, you know. And, and, and what, I, what, I'm, what I'm thinking you're saying is that what you're saying is when Adam and Eve chose to do what they did, that that's when that uh, came in. Yeah. That, that, that initial response to sex and, and nudity and everything like that is actually a fallen response. Really weird. Because in Christian circles, the Christianity culture would say, no, that's good. And, and, but it seems like in the Bible, it's the wrong. That's it's, right. That being, I, that might be, I might just have went underground. I might just have went right yeah. underground. Did you guys get what I was saying? Yeah. Yeah. That the, the thought of the church is that modesty is godly. And the idea biblically is that modesty is necessary, but it is a result of right. a defect. Yeah. Um, one, a verse that I really like um, that helps me with this as well is in Titus chapter 1, I mean, Bo quoted often, where it says, um, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. And like what that, what that passage is getting at is that there is a purity that someone can have, and in that purity, they can, they can look at pretty much anything in a pure way and not sin. But then through the fall, through a fallen heart, things become corrupt and it's no longer pure anymore. And uh, a lot of times we as the church look at that impure lens as a holy lens and it's really not. And let me explain what I'm saying. I don't know if any of you guys have hung out with like a little kid and had that little kid, especially like little boys. Man, when they find out they got something between their legs, dude, they are they're so, awesome. They're so happy. Observe man. them. They're just like, yeah. I even saw some of you guys when you guys were young, <laughs> you know, doing your weird little things when you're kids. <laughs> I never told you, but you were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like little kids, like they got no shame about it. You know, like a little two-year-old will just drop trow like yeah in the middle of a supermarket <laughs> and run around they got no problem with it and, and if a if a two-year-old saw someone else's nakedness they wouldn't be weirded no, out by it not either. weirded out at all and they yeah. and they just like touch yeah. themselves and they're just having a blast they're like picking their nose and then they touch themselves and, and then they eat a sandwich and they touch themselves and if you notice little kids they're always their hands are always going down there you know especially little boys man they just tend to you know and it's and it's just they're they're just happy as clams man you know and some parents i had a parent a few months ago in the church go what do i tell my boy he he keeps touching himself and and i'm like well how old's your boy and she's like well he's like five 
I'm like, well, you know, don't tell him anything. I mean, I mean, you can <laughs> mess him up for the rest of his life. <laughs> I mean, you know, what I, mean? I mean, you can really mess him up big time. I thought. I said, Jan, just is it like really bad? And she's like, no, but he just. And then he, the boy comes over, and of course he does it. You know, where he's he's out there in the you know thing, and he's just like, la, 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 la. and then he kind of grabs his private. You know. And she goes, do you have to go pee? And he's like, no, you know, and he just, she's like, well, stop touching yourself there, you know. And You're and, sinning. Yeah. <laughs> You're sin- well, she didn't say that, but I was hoping she wanted. You're dirty heathen. Just having yeah. the time of his life. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like putting her well, trip Well, she was on. asking if I should like, if she should like sit down with him and like, yeah. be like, you know, that's your, you're not supposed to touch that and da, 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 da. But, you know, and I understand, uh, you know, I mean, if, if the kid got out of hand, I guess you would. Yeah, you got to be in public, I guess. Yeah, you know, so. <laughs> I remember when I was in kindergarten, I remember our teachers like sitting down with the boys and being like, okay, guys, you can't, you can't touch yourself there all the time. Like, and it's just like this weird thing as a kid. You're like, what? See, Why? girls, the girls don't get it, but, but us guys, we get it, man. We're like, oh man, dude. totally. Cause it's just something, you know, some people have innies and they're called, we used to call them females. They're innies. And then boys have outies. And, and when you have an Audi and you're growing up and a little breeze <laughs> blows by, you're like, what the heck is that? You know what I mean? You get a little tinkle. And, but this happens. This, this is normal, man. Why are you guys so embarrassed? Look at you guys. Genesis is on you guys big time, man. The fall. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> the fall is why we're all ashamed that's right, right now. That's right. It's crazy. This is a perfect illustration, Peter. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, me and Bo, we teach a class for uh, men who struggle with pornography and sexual issues. And last night I was hanging out with these dudes, um, all of which, you know, they struggle with porn. And I asked him a question. I was just like, hey, do you think it's pornography? Is it porn for a woman to take a shower? And they're just like, no. And I was like, is it porn for a husband and wife to have sex? Like, no. I was like, is it a porn if I videotape either of those things and then post it on the web? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, what does that show you? It's not the action. It's not the nudity that's bad. It's the what? And they Mm. said, it's the heart that I bring into it. And there's the issue. That's what Genesis is getting at. The nudity wasn't wrong. It was the heart of the man and the woman that became corrupted to the nudity. How they viewed it. How they viewed it. How they looked at it. Think through these things, you know, a little bit. So it's like for me, it's good for me not to see the nudity of a ton of different people. But the issue isn't with the nudity. The issue right. is with my heart. Yeah. If I asked Peter, like, hey, is it good for you not to see nudity? And he goes, yeah, it's good for me not to see nudity. And I said, okay, so you don't see your wife's nudity. Hmm. And he goes, and some people have gone this direction. Yeah. You know, some people have gone this direction where they've said, yes, it is not good to see my wife's nudity. So they have never looked upon one another's nudity. And they have intimacy, but they do not look upon one another's nudity. And that's how some people have viewed it. How do they do that? Well, they, they darken the lights. It's all under the sheets, you know, and that, that's kind of the way it goes. So some people have gone to that extreme. So in, in the question to Peter, have you, um, do you think it's okay for you to view someone's nudity? And he'd have to say, well... I think it's okay to see nudity, but it depends on 
who yeah. it is. Depends on the context. That's right. Depends the context. on the context and depends on the person. So for me in, in my life, you know, obviously, you know, I'm going to see my wife's nudity. But, you know, when we have kids, I'm going to see our kids' nudity. And there's going to be other nudity that I view. And like I said, the issue isn't the nudity. The issue is my heart. There's some context and some nudity that I shouldn't see. But it's not because the nudity is bad. It's because my heart is defiled. I have a lustful heart that when I see particular nudity, it draws me to do something sinful. Okay. okay. Before we get into that, because that will get into the fall a little bit and, and that fear issue and everything like that, and then it'll wrap right into Leviticus. But if you guys turn with me just over to Proverbs chapter 5 real quick, because we want to debunk the idea of why not just shut the lights off? Maybe that's the way we're supposed to be, right? <clears throat> but if we go over to Proverbs chapter 5, <clears throat> and we'll just find one, one area of this. Um, but look at verse 19 of chapter 5 of Proverbs. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you all the times and always be intoxicated with her love. So I guess the question is, Peter, is how do you let your wife's breast satisfy you at all times and how do you be intoxicated with her love in, in that kind of context of intoxicating breast seeing? Isn't that cool? That's a cool term. <laughs> That's right. Which, by the way, is a pretty tame verse. You know, if you guys go into the Song of Songs, there are whole sections where the man and the woman are describing each other's nudity. And when you look at the metaphors that are being utilized, you can tell very clearly that not only are these two people naked, but they're sexually aroused. Yeah, they're in a state of sexual happening. arousal while they're viewing each other's nudity. Yeah, and, so I'm being really tame, actually, yeah. <laughs> by my language. I'm not using the biblical hardcore stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess the question is, is how do, you, how, do you, how do you let her breast satisfy you at all times? You do what most Christians do, and you just never talk about those verses. Ever, ever, mm -hmm. ever. And you cut them out of your Bible. I mean, I, yeah, I guess you could be in the dark <laughs> and, and not see them. Yeah. So maybe you could just like feel them, <laughs> and then, then I guess that's how you could fulfill that. <laughs> but it's yeah. kind of it would be kind of odd. I guess if you're you blind, know? that's okay. I guess yeah. <laughs> the only way you're gonna do it. But, you know. but I guess what I'm trying, you see what I'm trying to do, right? I'm trying to get it to work. Like, what if you say, "Yeah, nakedness is the problem. We just can't. We shouldn't see anybody nude, right? None, nobody. Have you guys ever read Ezekiel 16? Right, where God describes Israel. But God describes Israel as a woman, nude, right? But we might be able to say, hey, well, God can because he's perfect. So maybe God can see people with nudity and we can't. Maybe that might be an argument. Well, that, that would be a self-defeating argument, though. What? Because yeah. <laughs> if you said that God can view nudity because of his perfection, that means that we can't view nudity because of our imperfection. That's right. So, That's what I'm saying. It might yeah. fall in line that we shouldn't be viewing it. Yeah. But then Saul was nude before the prophets. It's true. Right? And Isaiah was nude. But yeah, so you know, the point that we're just trying to drive home to you guys is, once again, the idea that you can't have this negative view of sexuality and nudity um, because it's unbiblical. 
right? It doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from a religiosity that's being read into the text of the scriptures. That's right. So that's right. So when someone says, when like the Christian culture says like, oh, nudity is bad, you know, you have to kind of back up and be able to say, no, nudity's, God created nudity. God loves nudity. You know, God's into nudity. If we didn't sin, we'd have a planet of nude people. Nothing's wrong with that. So now we got to figure out what is wrong. Why do we wear clothes? So the first thing I want to focus on when you go to Genesis 3, this idea of shame, like where does it come from? Well, it comes from two specific places. The first place that I could say, we've already been kind of talking about it, and it would be like what we would be talk about the lust of the flesh, meaning that because of the fall, because there's something intrinsically wrong with us now, there's something in me, there's something in me as a man that desires to take my sexuality and explore it outside of my marriage, meaning that there's something in me that would like to be sexually aroused by people that are not my wife, right? That's something that because of that, because of that heart problem that I have, it's not good for me to view nudity in certain contexts, meaning I can't live on an all-naked planet, right? That wouldn't be a good thing for me because of the fall, because of where I'm at in a fallen condition and state. Now, when we talk about that, when we talk about the idea of having a fallen nature and not being able to look at nudity um, without stumbling, there's um, a lie that some people can believe, and me and both do talk about this a lot. And I feel like I do have a unique perspective on this because I've gone to the Middle East, where some people believe that, oh, okay, well, if that's the problem, then the solution is, women, you must wear more clothing, right? And I've, re- I've heard it said in church, and it always makes me sick when someone in church says this, where they, they look at a girl and they'll say something like, don't you know you're making people lust? You're stumbling your brothers? You're making me lust. Right? Have, have, you're have, making me lust. How many of you girls have heard something said like that? Come on, let's be honest. Okay. Now, <laughs> obviously, again, is, once again, from the biblical perspective, is the problem your nudity, right? Or your body? Is that the problem? No. What's the issue? The issue's me, right? The issue's my heart, and it doesn't really matter how much clothing you put on. My heart is corrupt and will lust anyway. Because Peter was in Afghanistan with a bunch of women with a ton of clothes, and he couldn't see anything but their eyeballs. <laughs> and guess what? <clears throat> There's still lust there. <laughs> There's still lust there. Anyway. Me and my buddies would joke about it all the time because we'd be, we'd be standing up on posts, and we'd be like looking at these girls, and we'd be like, oh, man, I bet she's so hot, and we'd be like lusting. And then, like, one of us would be like, dude, like, you know the crazy thing is? Is that could be a guy. Like, that could be a guy under that bag just trying to get out of being checked. You don't even know. Like, we could be, like, lusting out of this dude. We have no idea. And, and the funny thing is, is that, like, the issue with the heart, the issue of wanting more and more sexuality is so prolific in, in us 
that it doesn't matter if what the women clothes do. Or not. It doesn't matter what women do in regards to their clothing. Now, I could definitely say that certain clothing arouses more lust than others, but there is no such thing as a clothing that creates lust. And this is important because it ha- happens all the time in our lives, and we just don't even think about it. You know, you go to the beach, right? You, you hang out at the beach, and when you go to the beach, you expect people to have beach clothes on, Right? So all the time, people are practically naked, if you think about it. Guys are just in a little cloth around their crotch area and their rear, and women have the same stuff on, you know, just around their breast and their bottom parts, you know, and that's it, right? Just, just a little something on. And, you know, and it's, I, I went there my whole life, and I didn't think about nothing, I, didn't, I wasn't like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get to the beach because when I get to the beach, man, I'm just going to sit there and lust after girls. That's what I'm going to do, you know, because the beach is where you lust after girls. You know, that's the place. No, you go to the beach and you're hanging out and you don't even think about it. You know, it's weird. Girls can walk by in G-strings, practically nothing, and they can be talking to you. And you're just like, hey, how's it going? And, you know, and you see a butt and you just go, oh, that's a butt. You know, now I grew up a little weirder than you guys, and I grew up sometimes with my parents skinny dipping and having little parties, and 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 so you know you would see things, you know, <laughs> and um, that's a little different from some of you probably, but so like for uh, for like I remember going to a concert with my dad, you know, as a kid, and my dad, um, uh, this guy was dancing naked right by me, and um, yeah. And he was he was dancing buck naked, and I, I said to my dad, my old man, who I love him, God bless his soul, right? I love him to death, and um, I said, "Hey, dad, who is that?" And my dad said, "Hey, son, that's the boogeyman," and I was like, "Whoa, dude, that's the boogeyman," and and I was and he was just dancing and you know and just things flopping and um and so my whole life I thought the boogeyman was a naked man. I mean, I was never scared of the boogeyman. Um, but, Sounds pretty uh, scared to me, man. Yeah, it wasn't, but it wasn't. It's like I never, I never thought nothing of it. Um, when my parents skinny dipped, I never went like, you know, I, you know, there was just, I just was, you know, it just was, it was kind of normal. Does that make sense? There's certain contexts where it's like I took my family. Um, um, I don't know if Bo James was with me or not, but we were in Santa Barbara and we went to a museum where the Greek some of the Greek statues were. And it might have been just me and Syl one year. But um, we went there and there was naked, or, you know, statues of nude people, you know, like of ancient Greece. And not once in there did I sit there and just go, wow, man, I am aroused. You know, like, this is amazing. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, it just didn't happen. You know, meaning there's a context. Right. Right. There's a there's a particular context where it, something um, I'm bringing to the table, I right, should say. Right. There's a certain contextual state of my heart that that makes it that way. And and so here's here's my point to you, ladies, and to you men out there. If the problem isn't with the nudity, and the problem really is with my heart, then what should the solution be? To work on what? My heart. Right. So you ladies, it's not your fault. And the men who put it on you are too ashamed to admit that the fault is with them. Do you guys get that? Mm. The fault is with me. It shouldn't matter what the people in church are wearing. If I lust after them, 
That's an issue with my heart, right? Now, I could maybe encourage those girls to maybe do a little inventory and think like, well, why do you dress that way? Yeah, and Paul right? does this in First Timothy chapter 2, right? In like manner that the women adore themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold pearls or costly clothing, which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Basically, in that culture, he's just saying, hey, you know, dress, a, there, there is a, 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 an appropriate way to dress, you know, and so he's making a point about that. And the interesting thing about the point that he's making, if you guys read through it, he says, don't let your what? Adornment be outward. Meaning that what he's really pointing at is, again, he no point in that passage says, don't cause your brothers in Christ to stumble into lust, right? He never says that. He says, don't let your adornment be outward. Meaning that he's pointing at an issue with your heart, and he's saying maybe the reason you dress the way you do is because you are getting some sort of a validation from your clothing. Do you guys get that? And he's saying don't let it be that way, meaning that a girl could dress as modestly as she wants. Does that mean that her heart is necessarily in the right place? No, right? What if a girl dresses really modestly, comes to church, and starts judging what everyone else is wearing? Is she falling? Yeah, she is, right? Her heart is corrupted and she doesn't see other people in the right light and she's failing, 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2 is not written for men. Do you guys get that? It's not written for a man to look at a woman and say, dress modestly so I don't lust. Because that doesn't work. We can go to Afghanistan and again, everybody's dressing (laughs) to the hilt and everybody's still lusting. And everyone's still lusting like crazy, right? The issue, 1 Timothy 2 is written for women, to internalize and look in their hearts and be like, what's my motivation for wearing this? Now, uh, the next thing, before, do you have anything else before we move on to the, the next points? Uh, well, the only thing I was going to get, uh, think, I kept thinking about was, and I might be jumping the gun, but the idea of the first clothes that were made yeah. were what? What was the first clothes that were made in the Bible? That's right. Fig leaves. Fig leaves and then animal Animal skins. skins. And then this theme, though, this is so important to the biblical writers that it's developed all the way up into the redemption of Jesus Christ. Not only up to the redemption of Jesus Christ, this idea of clothing, but it's also into the latter book in the Bible called the book of Revelation, into the second coming of Christ, to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and to the new heavens and new earth. All of this picture of what happened in Genesis with the clothes is a thread throughout the Bible. This idea of being clothed, being found naked, being further clothed, being clothed in Christ. Has anybody ever heard that term? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Has anybody ever heard that term? Put on the Lord, be clothed in Christ, right? These type of ideas. This is all the idea of Jesus being the fulfillment of, in a sense, what could not clothe them properly. Adam and Eve could not be clothed. Something happened to their heart, and this is what Peter's talking about, is the heart's the problem. Something happened to the human condition. Their heart got tainted in a way that even the clothes that they try to provide for themselves, and sometimes we try to provide things for ourselves, we try to do things in our own might, we try to you know, provide things like our own cloth, right? Our own fig leaves. 
That is not going to work. It's not going to help the human heart. Even animal sacrifice, God killed. He actually, God sacrificed the first animal and put that, that that's, that's, why, that's why redemption comes through sacrifice because that's what clothes, that's, that, this is, all comes back to Genesis. The sacrifice that needed was they needed to be clothed. Something happened, this nakedness, something was going to happen. They needed to be clothed. So sacrifice had to come. So animal sacrifice started back in Genesis. It's a very cool, it's a very neat biblical thread going on. And so nudity starts becoming a, a byword in the whole Old Testament for destruction, um, captivity, um, desolation, um, those type of things. N- needing something. You need something. You are naked. You know, those type of things. Everything comes in like that. And then the redemption of Christ comes. And then it becomes, you're now clothed in Christ. You're now okay. You're now complete. You, you, now ha- you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He can complete you. He brings you back to e- um, Eden. He's the one who puts you right back with God just like it was in Eden. Does that make sense? All the way up to, to the book of Revelation where it talks about being clothed in white garments, right? having this clothing again. Why is this theme throughout the whole Bible? Very interesting. Which is, uh, you know, the biblical authors, it's throughout all the Gospels, and it's really, really interesting when you understand this idea of nudity and what me and Bo are talking about tonight. It will shed new light on an event that all the Gospel writers record as happening. They said before the crucifixion of Christ, his garments were taken from him, And then the guards put a cloak on him, a rich royal robe on him, and then they stripped it off of him, and then they crucified him. All right, now, do you guys see the symbolism there? That the only person in the universe, God, who who wasn't naked, who was clothed in glory, became naked so that we could be clothed with his righteousness. You guys see that? And all the authors, they saw this. They saw this, this beautiful event happening where the creator of everything was stripped naked so that we could be clothed with what he lost right so that's what Bo's talking about with that fullness that thread going all the way from genesis to the the nakedness and the loss of innocence all the way into the fullness of redemption through christ and our return to eden through his sacrifice is very beautiful now, yeah so there so there had to be clothes that were made because of the human condition there was something about the human condition that's right and through through that clothing, through that indwelling of his spirit, what happens to us is our hearts begin to be redeemed, meaning that innocence and that purity is beginning to be redeemed in us. So for, for all of us in this room, there is, like I said, there is a corruption in your hearts. There's a corruption in my heart and Bo's heart and all of our hearts, but through what Christ is doing in us, it's being redeemed. That purity is being redeemed again, and that's where we're all headed. Now, there's another aspect to this nudity, but we, we run out of time and we're not going to be able to get into it tonight in the, the clarity that I know that we would like to. So I'm just going to kind of run over it real quick, what it's going to be like, and then next week we'll get into it in a little bit greater detail. But the other, the other half of this, the other aspect of this nudity comes from a fear, meaning that Adam, Adam and Eve, like when they first clothed themselves, Eve didn't clothe herself thinking like, Adam's going to lust after me now. Right, That wasn't the intent. The reason why they clothed themselves was a fear, not only of God, but of one another. 
meaning that there was all of a sudden a fear of judgment. Do you guys get that? That for a lot of us, the reason why we don't want to be naked and the reason why we put on clothing is to hide imperfections, right? That's why a lot of us choose the different clothing that we, that we have. We choose it because this particular clothing that we're wearing hides particular imperfections in our bodies that we're ashamed of, that we don't want other people to see. And so this whole judgmental idea of insecurity and fear, that's the other reason of why we adopted clothing, right? And what we believe as Christians is that the reason why we have this deep insecurity is because we once had the validation of God in Eden, but when we began to doubt his word, we began to doubt his validation. And we lost the one word of affirmation that we needed, all of a sudden insecurity and shame crept into our hearts, and we haven't been able to get back since. Right? So the redemption of that is an understanding that God clothes you with his righteousness, he calls you good, and when you understand that, your insecurity begins to go away, right? It won't be done here on this earth, but it begins to go away. Now, um, the other reason why that's so valid and so important is a lot of us, like, in relationships, the reason why we're clothed, not only physically but emotionally, meaning a lot of us guard our hearts in relationships. We don't expose, we're not vulnerable with people very quickly, mm-hmm. The reason why we do that is because we're worried what someone's going to do with that vulnerability. It's right? almost like we're a hiding people now. That's right. That's you right. Know, we look at it as a whole. We hide because I'm scared that if I let you in to my emotions, my frailty, things like that, that you'll use that frailty to hurt me. And a lot of us have been hurt and violated, either emotionally or physically, when we've been vulnerable with another person. Right, so next week we'll get into much more detail on that topic.